With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, now up to, to bat, Brett Boone. Hey, welcome everybody to a special edition of the Boone Podcast. It's our mid-season breakdown. We're joined uh, this week by Tyler Kepner, a New York Times best-selling author. Of course, the Boone Podcast. I'm Rich Herrera. As we break down the first half of the season and the boys will break out their crystal balls to tell you what's going to happen in baseball for the second half of the season. So let's welcome in Tyler Kepner, uh, best-selling author, joining us here on the Boone Podcast. Tyler, how are you? I'm all right, guys. How are you? Uh, we're outstanding. Now let me bring in our second author. I'm not sure if you know this, Tyler, but since this podcast has blown up so big now that it's not. <laughs> There's my promo. Brett has, Brett has expanded beyond just baseball and everything else. He had a fellow author on the other day, Jack Carr, the author of The Terminalist, and did point out that, you know, there's there's an author that we have on every week on the podcast, and that's the aforementioned Brett Boone, that's who right. is a published author uh, himself. Yeah, I saw yeah, this book I, in the uh, Mariners team store last time I was in Seattle. See, yeah, Brett, I told you, it's still in the I, team well, store. Well, I'm an author. I'm an Emmy Award winner. Now, oh. I don't think I'm a real author, but I do have a published book. <laughs> I don't think I'm a real Emmy Award winner, yet I have an Emmy. I don't have the physical Emmy, but I do. Uh, it's I'm a part of the broadcast. As why, did we all you buy, why didn't you buy an Emmy? Because I just had shirts made that said Emmy Award winner instead, and that's that's better to me than the Emmy. I, I didn't. Feel, I felt bad. I, I I said probably four words on my uh, postseason simulcast 2003, so I didn't really feel deserving. Now the broadcast itself was that it was deserving, but I, I figured the shirt was uh, more <laughs> more more your style. Correct. Correct. Well, I mean, listen, Tyler, if you do publish a book in the United States, it does go to the Library of Congress. So just along with, with your great works of of literature, somewhere in the Library of Congress, somewhere in the Dewey Decimal System, <laughs> there is a Brett Boone author that is somewhere within the Library of Congress. Yeah, so yeah, we're all measured by these numbers, right? So Brett has a career war rating, a career batting average, and a career and a Dewey Decimal System uh, rating. So I think yeah, you, you you've done it all, man. Pretty impressive, yes. Brett. Yes, I have. And my ghostwriter. <laughs> See, there you go. Who was your ghostwriter? His name is Kevin. I'll think of it later. 
well, that's a good ghostwriter because he's just kind of invisible, right? Tyler, have you ever ghostwritten a book? Kevin, the ghostly writer. Um, no, I haven't. I have not. We have a uh, like a policy where I'm, I can't like uh, go, you know, do a book deal with someone who works for a team or something like that. So um, it would be kind of tricky. Yeah. How hard is that to do? Well, I, I what it does. I mean, I've talked to lots of people who do it, and you know, you you talk to the subject of the book, the author of the book, for hours and hours, and then try to put it in his in his words the way he sounds. Um, you know, it's funny. Like, you know, Brett, you probably know John Gibbons. Um, Gibby came out with a book, and yeah. the 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 ghostwriter got it just right because it sounded exactly like Gibby on every page. It was well, like, oh, maybe he just did the transcript verbatim, but. You got to make it sound like the the author right. at the key, and that can be tough. Well, my experience was this, and you're exactly right. Long hours. It's we had it was kind of a, a set call. Let's call it Monday morning, uh, where the ghostwriter is prepared. He's got all his questions, shoots them at me. I sit there and basically have a conversation for about a half hour. He says, I'll see you Wednesday. We have a standing call Wednesday. He reads it back to me verbatim how he wants to put it. We edit it. I'll exactly what you said, Tyler. They, I said, you know, that doesn't sound like, like me talking. That mm -hmm. sounds like you talk. So we'd have to switch some words around. And then as soon as that's done, boom, on to the next, on to the next session. See you next Monday. Do that for about seven or eight weeks. And then at the end was the toughest because you have that official edit. Mm -hmm. And that took a while. That took more than a phone call where we'd go through it. Now that doesn't sound right. I know it did. You know, we re, we've already edited this, but we got to edit the edit. It's a long process, but uh, an experience too. It was educational throughout. Um, don't know that I'd like to do it again, <laughs> but I did it once. <laughs> yeah. I imagine it'd be nice to have something if you're, you know, someone who has an interesting life um, to, to have it all down there and you've got a lot of life to live, but, you know, to have it all down there in a book form for your kids and grandkids and whatever else, just to sort of say, this is the official, my official take on me. Um, that's kind of cool. Tyler, your books, do you have an audio version? I do. And I did them both. It was great. You did them yourself. I did mine myself too. You sit in a chair. I felt like I was in, I, I mean, I felt like I was in timeout. And they just <laughs> yeah. have you strapped to this chair and somebody on the mic saying, nope, that word doesn't sound right. Re, right. We say that sentence and, and you read the entire book. That was the toughest, the toughest out of all of it. for me. Really? Yeah. The first day or two was, was, was the first day of both of them was tough for me. Um, but then your vocal cords, I don't know, they get used to it or they get stronger. And they, yeah, it's great because they're always like, you need to take a break now. Here's a glass of water. And you're in this right. padded room, uh, you know, yep. so the, for the audio. Um it was fun. Though. The funnest, the funniest thing was like coming back on the last day where you have to do pickups. They call them like, uh, you know, just a few words, and it takes like five minutes. You just go in and you say like, you know, baseball or you know, right. like Roy Halladay or whatever, and then it's like, you know, then you're out of there in five minutes. But just a few words if they don't sound quite right, you got to come back and redo it. So Rich, the more, go Rich, ahead, hold on. Let me let me cut you off before you you come in again <laughs> okay i'll just stand here i'll tell you the more i listen to this the more my little conversation here with tyler i'm starting to believe that i truly am an author i all right i'm not just know. busting your chops <laughs> carry on Do carry you think on. i'm just here busting your chops yes well a little bit what's it like though when you walk into a bookstore and you see your book oh that's a great feeling i mean that's that that's really cool and then you want to see if you know the, the real baller move though is to go is to go up and just take the books off the shelf, take a pen out of your, out of your, you know, coat and just sign it. 
put it back on, you know, so a nice little surprise for someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they buy your book and they say, oh, it's signed. You know, sometimes I try to be, you know, legit and I'll just go up to the to the cashier. And that's almost more of a baller move when you go up and you say, yeah, you know, I wrote this book. Would you like me to sign it? You know, and they're like, oh, wow. You know, but uh, yeah, we writers don't get to feel that way much. You know, you, you uh, it, it's very, very, uh, not very often that people want our uh, signatures. But when you write a book, people like having it signed. So, um, yeah, I'll go in there and sign them. And that's always fun. All right, folks, I'm going to tell you, if you're going to Seattle, I'm taking Booney into the team store, Brett. The last time I was there, there were like four copies of your book. I'm going to make you sign each of them, and we'll just leave them there and see who grabs them. You got it. All right, let's get into this. Because uh, we're talking about Seattle. I'm adorned, if you're watching on YouTube or any of our clips, I'm adorned in my all-star gear because I'm ready to go. Uh, I'll be heading out there Wednesday. Brett will be there soon afterwards. Um, since it's our halfway breakdown, at the all-star break. Let's let's talk about the biggest things that we talked about before the season got started. And that was number one, first and foremost, the new rules. So grade the rule changes all over baseball and tell me, has it helped the game? And we'll start with Tyler Kepner, New York Times bestselling author. I think it has undoubtedly helped the game. I mean, I think to, to have an average game time at 240, um, you just feel like things are moving along. Things are progressing the way they should um you know i i remember game we all remember games the last dozen years or more where it was just it felt like the game was just in slow motion and you you know when is when are they going to get past the fourth inning or the fifth inning it just my god we don't get those feelings anymore you know it, it's one it's it's an it's a barrier to enjoyment that has been removed and i think that's great i, I think you know, you look back and you're like, how did it take so long to get to get like this? Um, because these rules are great and the players uh, are, are so talented. They might have not liked them a lot at the beginning, but, you know, they're they're fine. They've adapted. And and that's the biggest thing by far. And I think it's terrific. I love it. Brett. Without a doubt. Uh, and I was the biggest skeptic. And I think you're. you're there's pools. There's the players. There's the fans. And then and then there's the ex players. And I would say, and Tyler, you'll probably agree with this. The ex players are always the most skeptic because we don't want <laughs> yeah. things changed from how it was when we played. You know, you hear that when I played. Uh, I try not to be that guy that when I played. You know, to, today's game is their game. Uh, my game was it was 15 years ago. But I have to say, I'm I'm very pleasantly surprised. I didn't think it was going to be that smooth of a transition. I, I'm with you, Tyler, on the on the swiftness. It's almost like I can I can predict, you know, if if the game kicks off at six o'clock, I can pre predict where we're where we'll be at seven fifteen. Whereas in the past, that spread was who knows? It might be four mm -hmm. hours and fifteen minutes, and on a quick game, it'd be two hours and fifty. Everybody's kind of in that window now of we know when it's going to start, when it's going to end. You know, barring of course uh, extra innings, but I think. Uh, like, like I said, pleasant, pleasantly surprised. I think the players are happy. I know uh, from the coaches and the on on field, you know, the managers and the coaches, they're very happy with it. Uh, I think the fans are happy with it. Uh, they know what time their kids are going to get put to bed that night. They can be pretty <laughs> confident with that. So all in all, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this home run. Yeah. As a former broadcast director and, and broadcast executive, I always worried about whether it goes longer than three hours. But I, I think when we talk about the length of the game, we maybe miss something because for me, it's not the length of the game that's gotten better. 
It's the action. It's the speed of the game. It's the pace of the game. Tyler, I'll tell you this. I would sit there and look at my phone more than I would look at the game two years ago. Now, I don't even pull the phone out of my pocket because I'm going to miss a play because the action has gotten back to the pace that it makes it fun. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it really is the pace, and the quicker pace means a, a, a quicker game in the end. Um, <clears throat> that's just the easy number to look at. But you're right. I mean, when you're actually watching the game, things happen quicker. There's less time in between, you know, and I think I think it's it's not so quick that it's, uh, you know, distracting. I mean, they're or not distracting that it that it feels wrong. Um, there's a few games that are that go a little a little quicker than you might like, but uh, that's way balanced out by the the avalanche of games that no longer last 330 or 340 for four hours um it's funny because you know brett makes the point about how ex-players um and even you know old school guys like me you know fans like often don't like them tinkering with the game but i think in this way they just they just tinkered with it to get it back to its more natural rhythms i think it was worse the way it had sort of players had kind of you know uh not bent the rules but just used the rules to their advantage i mean you know taking that extra breath that stepping out that being you know that works for the hitter um but it's not good for anybody else in the ballpark or the viewing public um so i just think the game had kind of devolved a little bit and we needed to you know we just needed to recalibrate it and if that took some more rules well we don't like rules, but if it takes a couple of rules to recalibrate it to the way we, the way baseball was meant to be, I think I'm okay with it. Now, Brett, I know this isn't your game. Your game was like you said, 15 years ago, but how would you like to play under these new rules? Well, there's no lollygagging and it's let's get after it. Let's go. Boom, 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 boom. Well, I wasn't a guy that took a long time. I, I, I don't think I was that the quickest guy, but as long as I knew him up front, I think the spring training, that cushion, that buffer was good for the players to get used to it. And as a hitter, as soon as I know, well, no, I can't walk around and make a spectacle of anything. I got to get back in the box. For me, this would have been an easy, easy adjustment. The only thing I'd like to see, and I think that it will be addressed going forward, is once you engage the pitcher at the eight-second marker, that pitcher has eight seconds to hold that ball on you. I think there's a little bit of a mini advantage, nothing big, to that pitcher having the ability to dictate when he delivers the pitch. In the past, if he was holding it on me just from a strategic standpoint, I had the ability to call timeout and step out. Now I only have one timeout. So I don't know how how you fix that. Maybe it goes to you have to engage at the five-second mark. So there's just not a longer pause. But other than that, and I'm really nitpicking right now, uh, I I think it would be a very easy adjustment for for not only myself, but for the majority of the players that played in my generation. Okay. Tyler, you've got your ear to the uh ear ear to what's going on in the game. What other changes, what other rule changes do you think they might be considering? Because these have been such a smashing success. Yeah, well, I mean, it's you think about all the things they've done here recently. It 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 adds up to a lot. Um, you know, the extra inning rule in particular. I think, um, I, you know, they've flirted with some real radical changes that that have not caught on. Um, you know, the moving the mound back kind of thing. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the next big innovation will probably be the automatic ball strike. Uh, you know, the, the the robot umps, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I, I I think the technology is just going in that direction where, um, 
eventually it'll be smoothed out enough to where you know they'll put it in i don't love that idea but again like you know it will it will take away a lot of the the, the the framing which which always sort of bugs me when you see catchers like moving the moving the glove so dramatically like we used to do in little league like as a joke almost um and 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 so i think that's kind of gotten out of hand and i think uh with the k zone or whatever on on every screen it just makes the umpires who really do a great job it makes them look bad um you know when you see a ball that's outside and fans get all upset i think they're going to try to streamline that so that's not a big talking point anymore i think that'll that'll eventually happen don't you brett I do, and and I agree with you. These these umpires today, it, it's unfair. The technology that's out there, everybody's the the armchair quarterback at home because of those stupid white lines. I've talked about it many times, and I don't even think that's actually how the umpires train. Not on that box. Hmm. It should say at the top as a disclosure disclosure at the beginning of the game for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. You know, because everybody's the, an expert now, I, myself included. I get caught up in it and I'll just catch a pitch here and there. Oh, how could you call? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, let's get back to reality, To, To the game for 100 years has been no. And, and as the eye that I have for the game, I can sit there on TV and call strikes balls. It's pretty easy. That pitch is off the plate because I've seen so many now with this box. You know, I can have a guy that's never hasn't had a jock on since since uh, junior high tell me I'm wrong because it hit that little white square. And I said, well, you don't understand that the elevations of a split finger fastball that yet yeah, if it grazes that it doesn't mean it, you know, and it's tough to explain. Mm -hmm. So I think we are going that way as much as I'm on, I'm on board with you, Tyler. I, I, I like the human element of the game. Uh, I, I hate to see it taken away from the umpires. I think in the interim, though, I think the first thing they're going to do, and I see it in the minor leagues right now, is that that tap on the head. What I I'm challenging that that strike right there. Yeah. It seems like our our game is so full of challenges, um, and there hasn't been a lot of pushback on it. I think that's going to be the next thing before they go to the robo umps. Is okay. The, the the hitter can challenge that ball or strike, and I don't know the what the uh, consequences are if the hitter's wrong or if he's right. I, I have no idea, but I think you're going to see that as the next thing because I see it in the minor leagues and challenges seem to be accepted in today's game. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American express business gold card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit U S restaurants and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Hmm. All right, let's move on. Shohei Otani. How much ink have you written this year about uh, <laughs> Shohei, Tyler? I mean, he's the best story in baseball. He, he's it's, it's really just wild to think about how good he is, how elite he is on both sides. Um, you know, if he was just a, 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 a standard major league, major leaguer, you know, a, a, a solid everyday starter and, uh, and, and starting pitcher, that'd be amazing. But the fact that he is so great at both is just wild. I mean, it's, it's, it's totally bananas to think that we have a player who is, is, you know, as good as there is as a hitter and as a pitcher at the same time, 
Um, and it's it's great to see the Angels, you know, finally, uh, you know, having some hope of 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 getting to the playoffs and that these home runs and everything are in the service of uh, contender um, is, is really cool. But no, I mean, he was just that the month of June is for him was ridiculous. And uh, he's bust watch, man. You got to watch when he's when he when he's pitching, when he's hitting, because um, you'd really never know what you're going to see. And and he's really the best thing about sport. He, he's he's what we love. He's a personification of what we love about sports, because he's doing things that we marvel at and that we never thought possible and that's one of the reasons i watch sports to see things that i can't do and that i didn't know that anybody could do he's doing them booney we talked about this uh when you first got to the big leagues you didn't want to take any days off and then luke gave you all right kid you ready to take a day off i know otani's dh'ing but he hasn't taken a day off this season and to put up the numbers that he has i i just don't know if we have enough time or enough words in 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 english language or any language to talk about how incredible he is no he's he's remarkable i went through his numbers a little bit he's leading the league in homers he's leading it in rbis he's the ops leader he's he's he he leads every category uh total bases but what stood out to me also has got 99 hits you know he's almost on pace for for 200 hits which is a whole different thing in itself uh he's playing every day he's pitching he's got 95 he's got 127 punch outs he's right at a 3 ERA on that side of the ledger i i i almost am embarrassed for myself that i fawn over a player as much as i do but but he's fawnable i mean he's that guy that you know ha- has broken that glass ceiling I never thought I'd see this in in my wildest dreams in, in my lifetime. Um, the level that he does it at the the fact that he steals bases on top of it, uh, he, he's got that great smile. You know, he, he's the cover of the magazine as well. I mean, it, so he's got that personality with the ridiculous numbers. And the only thing that scares me to death is it's almost like I'm thinking is isn't this too good to be true? You can't be that good of a player and stay in one piece when when you have so many different things you've got to do but so far so good uh but i still you know and i've used it I've, I've used the uh example of i wish we could just wrap him in bubble wrap and make sure we have this this player for as long as possible um i i don't know i i think the fact that i've run out of words i think everybody's okay. run out of words i i got a new one you ready tyler yeah. Let's break him down. Hitting, power, pitching, and find some comps to try to figure out how we can describe him because he's he's such a uh, a unicorn. So let's start pitching-wise. Give me some comps, some other players that are comparable to him on the mound that you could compare him to. And you could use his story. You don't have to use today's pitchers. You can do uh, any pitcher in history or any pitcher that you've seen. Who does he remind you of? Well, I mean, we're talking about a, a a guy who strikes out a lot of hitters and doesn't give up a lot of hits. Um, so, I mean, he's hurt a lot, but at his best, that Jacob Degrom is that way, right? I mean, Jacob Degrom strikes out a ton and he's really hard to hit. Um, so, I kind of think of him as of of Degrom esque as as a pitcher. Um, I don't know how that strikes you, Booney. Booney, who's, who's si- si- similar? Okay. I'm 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 just thinking just basic comp uh, past pitchers Nolan yeah. Ryan, 
I mean, he's mm-hmm. Nolan Ryan. He's got that type of stuff. And uh, I, I don't think DeGrom's a bad. I think DeGrom healthy on the mound 100%, which, which we rarely see. Right. I, I think is the best pitcher in the world. Um, Shohei's not far behind, but I think if we're going to compare them, no. But it, but as far as comps for this conversation, I, I think that's more than applicable here. Uh, he's just he's that power guy that strikes everybody out. Uh, can every time he takes the mound, he's capable of pitching a no hitter. I know he hasn't pitched one, but he's capable. Every he's got that type of stuff. He's got no hit stuff every time he goes out. Okay, hitting wise, just hitting wise, not power, just hitting wise. Give me a comp, Brett. Who's he remind oh, you of? He really has such an unusual swing because it's kind of has some Japanese influence and and a lot that of Ted the Williams that Ted Williams there. science of hitting that that a lot of players over there have read now that's been translated. Sure, but but it's man, uh, because he kind of does have an Ichiro swing. Right. Only it's the power version. Yes. That style of walking out of the box. He lifts up his toe. He sets it down. And it's just, I don't know who, who he reminds me of, but Freddie McGriff at his best. Um, but, it, but it's different. You know, right. I don't think it's, it's not like anything we've ever seen before. Cause it has that Japanese influence to it just from growing up in Japan. And that's how they teach it. And you'll see all the, Jap- they, all the Japanese hitters, they're all a little bit different different than we are the hips you know start a little different the right. toes starts it, a little different it's that that running to first uh before you're actually running to first that's just how it is in japan they they're taught that way from a young age so he's got that japanese influence um the the, the guy i saw matsui and uh, right. played for the yankees years mm-hmm. ago Godzilla. he was the first one that kind of broke away from that japanese style of hitting but he still had a little bit of it in there. You know, I think Otani's the same way. He's still got a little bit of it in there that you can notice to the naked eye, but he's just, he's putting on a power display that we've never seen. Yeah. And he, and he, and he runs so well. I mean, I, I think of, I mean, Shohei, he'll, he'll be 29 it, this week. Um, so he's a little bit older, but when, when Ken Griffey Jr. was 27, he led the league. It was his MVP year. He led the league in, in, Runs, home runs, RBIs, slugging percentage, and he stole 15 bases. That you know that was the time of his career when he was stealing about 20, 24 the next couple of years. Um, enough to to let you know what, it, what that he could really fly um, when he when he needed to. And I look at at Otani now. You know he's he's leading the league in homers, RBIs. He's got 11 steals, leading slugging percentage. Um, you know, sort of peak Griffey, where all of those athletic uh, skills were on display at once. Um, I kind of see that in, in Otani too. I mean, Pete Griffey was like a low three hundred hitter with like a three ninety on base, three eighty five somewhere on base, and that's pretty much what Otani is this year. So I think we're. You think of Ken Griffey Jr. at his best, late night, you know, mid to late nineties with Seattle. Um, that's what we're seeing with uh, with Otani right now from a production standpoint. Booney, uh, you know, it was much better on like the technique standpoint, but sort of from a production standpoint, from a raw numbers and output, he's prime Griffey. All right, let me stay with Tyler. Power. Who does he compare with? <sighs> well, 30 I mean, home, talk- 30 home runs a week before the break. Yeah, you're talking about, and a lot of them are, are you know, tape measure shots, um, and, and they're all fields. 
Um, I'm trying to think like, I remember Tommy, you know, Tommy could hit it out every, everywhere. He could hit it out to left. And, and, and when he pulled it, he would just, you know, he could send it a mile. Um, so that, I mean, Jim's a much bulkier guy, you know, physically than, than Otani was, but is, but I kind of think of that all fields power, but tape measure to right. Um, as, as a similar guy like Tommy. Brett. I think Tommy's a great example. I, I pick any of the great sluggers of our time and, and Otani's right there. He hits the ball. It, he hits the ball out the other way. He, he miss hits balls and they go out the other mm. way. I mean, it's overly impressive. Uh, Carlos Delgado used to do stuff like that. Um, but I think Jim Tommy is the, is the best comp because Jimmy line to line was, was as much as was as much as anybody you know bonds could hit balls like that uh you know i'm trying to stick with the left-handed of course a, a griffey jr you know kenny from the day he got to the big leagues had opposite field big time power but it's just it, you know in, instead of just comparing them to somebody i just think right now uh as much power as anybody in the game to all fields including you know the guy that's kind of the top when you think of the top power obviously a judge but uh, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, as far as distances, he can hit a ball. Otani's right there with the top, top line to line power. So we've gotten six different categories of comps. Five of them have been Hall of Famers. That, that just says how difficult it is to explain how great this guy is. Let me ask you this, Tyler. I've seen him get better every year that he's been in the big leagues. I know he was injured, but I've just seen his game rapidly uh get better 29 years of age have we seen the best of them yet well we're probably seeing the best of them right now i mean you know he'll i always you know you always the temptation is always to say like oh he's he could get better and better and but it's hard to imagine him getting much better than this right <laughs> you I mean, get better than this yeah i, I you know he's, he's he's 29 so you know he's right in those peak years um and he's the best at everything. So I, I don't know. And that's the funny thing, right? Is he's going to get this this record contract, um, and the best may, you know, maybe behind him. But what's in front of him, as long as he stays healthy, is still going to be you know Hall of Fame level production. So um, I mean, everybody has a peak, and th this is probably his peak. And that that's that's no in insult because this is a pretty uh, pretty amazing peak. Brett, is that a clown question? Uh. No, it's, you know, I, I consider the source. No, I'm kidding, Rick. You see, that's why <laughs> no, I'm a sports it. talk show host. He's a New York Times bestselling author, and you've got uh, all that hardware behind you. It, it's, no, it's it's not a it's not a clown question, but I couldn't imagine him being better. You know, I've, I've played with a lot of great players. Um, I think in a, in a day and a time right now where, where average isn't uh, put at a higher premium, or considered higher premium. I, I think it's wrong, but the fact that people players today aren't hitting 300 like they used to Otani is mm -hmm. so that, that to me is even more impressive when that's not really the bar and what, what, what ownership tells you or, or the, the market says you get paid upon. It used to be, it was average home runs and, and RBIs. Now they've taken the average out of that. The fact that he's still hitting 300, uh, it is a little even, it, it's even more impressive to me uh, on top of everything else. So I don't, I couldn't imagine Otani be, you know, you look at last year, he was unbelievable. I thought he should have won the MVP year before he did win the MVP. So you thought he possibly couldn't get better. Well, this year he's even having 
better numbers than the last two. So who knows? Is, is this a top? I couldn't imagine getting get a getting to a higher level of performance than he's doing both sides of the ball. I know a lot of the stories have slowed down a little bit, Tyler, but what are you hearing as far as his future? Yeah, I, I think the fact that the Angels are are, are good um, can only help them. Um, you know, I mean, it, he he talks about how he wants to win, understandably. Um, and yeah, it's not the Angels are a juggernaut, but they're you know they're they're over five hundred and they're kind of in the mix. So um, if they can make a push and and maybe make some noise, I think it'll be harder to leave. I think ultimately he'll probably go where the most money is. That's what that's what most guys uh, understandably do. Um, and I've always felt all along that the Dodgers have been, um, you know, the way they've structured this past offseason, a lot of one-year deals, um, seems to me like the Dodgers are positioning themselves to um, just make an all-out run at Otani. You've got uh, the Mets, who uh, whose owner has so much money, and Billy Epler, um, you know, signed him to the Angels, so the Mets always have to be lurking. But, um, you know, I, I, I could see the Angels – just if especially if they have a good second half and winning and maybe getting some momentum i could see them um you know stepping up and 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 making a huge offer um and otani you know he's i i don't know him enough i don't know if any of us know him enough really to know his motivations but he does have a really great thing going in anaheim and to change uh out of his comfort zone i don't know if he really wants to do that and and i go back to it he picked anaheim right right he, he decided that's where I want to go under Billy Epler. But for everybody that I know in the, the Dodger media and the New York media are just pulling at him like there's nobody's business. But I also go back to he could have gone anywhere and he chose to go to the Angels. So we'll see if he stays. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 